Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. As a certified specialist in estate planning, trust and probate law, and taxation law, Doran Tisser provides clients with cutting-edge estate planning, trust administration, charitable giving, and business services. This super lawyer has a lot of information to share, and we'll get right to it. I made the intro very, very short today, people, because we have a lot to cover on the show. Welcome, Doran. Thank you, Cindy. How are you? It's so good to have you. Uh, It's great to be on your show. And, um, you know, estate planning, it's interesting. It's, uh, It's kind of one of those things that people might not like to do, because sometimes they have to face some things that they don't want to face. But it's really important, isn't it? It is extremely important, and you're absolutely right. It's something nobody wants to do. They, they would rather be doing anything else than talking about what happens about their estate planning, yet it may be one of the most important things they can do for themselves and their families. And unfortunately, what we hear when, when friends face some, you know, terrible things or inevitable things that happen in life they always say, why didn't I think about this? Absolutely, absolutely. Unfortunately, a lot of the clients I see that want to come in and do estate planning come in because somebody either just got sick or died or they themselves have been diagnosed with cancer. It's something people put off till the very last minute, and that is really the worst time to plan. The best time is when you know you want to do it, there's nothing imminent going on, you can sit down with a clear mind and make really good decisions. And I really encourage everybody to talk to somebody like Doran, and um, he's, he'll make it as pleasant as it can possibly be, and he's really smart. So, um, And you can also take a look at, is it www.tissalaw.com? Right, www.tisser, T-I-S-S-E-R, law.com. All right, but now let's get to the basics. I want to talk a little bit about definitions of things because people hear the words estate planning, they hear probate, they hear wills, they hear, you know, trusts, they hear tax planning, but they don't really know the differences. They don't even know if they have insurance, a lot of people really think that they're covered, and that's why I really want to talk about specifics, why they're different, why they're related, you know, how you cover a basic estate plan and the things that you ask your clients so that our listeners can have an open ear to all of this. So let's start with a definition of estate planning. All right. Most people think of estate planning as what happens when I die. Who do my assets go to? Who's going to take care of my children? And those are very important parts of estate planning. But in reality, estate planning is more holistic than that. It's not just what happens when you die. It's about protecting yourself during your life, during retirement, and protecting everything you've built up for yourself. So it's not just about what happens at death. It's about yourself. Buying umbrella insurance to protect yourself in case of a bad car accident is a part of estate planning because you need to protect what you have or, by definition, you won't have anything left when you die to give to your family. Well, and there's a lot of other there's medical decisions that people don't think about. Why don't you give an example of that? Absolutely. What happens if I cannot make medical decisions for myself? Who's going to do that for me? 
There have been lots of news stories about people on life support and, and court proceedings that took years because people couldn't agree on whether the plug should be pulled or who could even do it. And, and those are problems that we read about, we see about, and unfortunately, I see them. It's important to have decided in advance what you want to have done if in, for your own medical needs if you cannot make those decisions for yourself, as well as selecting somebody, legally selecting somebody, to make those decisions for you by signing a medical health care document. So, so that's another important aspect of estate planning. What about your finances? What if something happens? You're in a hospital, you're in an accident. Somebody needs to help and take care of your financial matters. Who's going to pay your mortgage? Who's going to have access to your bank accounts? For that, you would need a power of attorney. So, again, financial, the medical. Uh, what happens if you come, become disabled? Who's going to help you? Do you have disability insurance? In terms of yourself and the future, have you done planning for retirement? Are you putting money away so one day when the time comes for you to retire, you'll have money put away? Are your monies being properly invested for you so they're growing at the rate that you would want them to? Do you own interest in real estate or businesses? Are they held in the right type of entity? Should it be an LLC, a limited liability company, or a partnership, or should it be a corporation? Do you own it with somebody else? Should you do a buy-sell agreement that says if you die, the other party has to buy your family out so your family is not stuck owning an interest in a company that is somewhat meaningless to them economically because they can't pull a salary out? So these are all important parts of estate planning for you while you're alive. The second part of estate planning is what happens when you die. If you're married and you have children, you need to make sure that your spouse and your children are able to maintain the lifestyle you all want them to maintain. To be able to say, I leave everything to my spouse in a will, and then, God forbid, die, and then your wife or your husband cannot stay in the house because they don't have the money. They've lost your salary, but they have nothing to replace that salary with. doesn't accomplish a lot. So purchasing life insurance to protect your family when you die is very important. Very important. Well, let me just play devil's advocate for a second, Doran. There are a lot of people who are listening to this show that are saying, you know, the um, recession has affected me so badly and I've lost so many of my assets or I'm jobless and I really don't have any assets to worry about anyway, so why should I even think about an estate plan? I mean, I'm sure that the medical decisions are still relevant. What's still relevant for them? If they don't really have, pardon my French, a pot to piss in. Uh, your French is wonderful. Thank um, you. <laughs> well, uh, if people don't have a lot of assets, they may not have as big a concern about some of the issues we talked about. The health care is still important. The power of attorney for, for being able to handle the financial affairs and bank accounts if something happens is very important. On the other hand, there usually are some assets. Uh, there may be life insurance, and you've got to think about how to go ahead and pick the beneficiaries for the life insurance. For instance, if I'm married and I have life insurance but not a lot of other assets, I may name my wife as the beneficiary of my life insurance, and if she's not alive, maybe the secondary beneficiary are my children. The dilemma there is that if my children are minors, they're under 18, and I name them, and the money goes to them, they don't get it. The insurance company will put it in court, in a court-supervised blocked account, 
that will be put into an FDIC-insured account at a very low interest rate until my children turn 18, at which time they will get all the money. That's not a very good way to leave money to your children, so that needs to be planned for. Mm-hmm. Again, if somebody doesn't have a lot of money, but they have a spouse, they need to make sure that the spouse can continue to live with the kids in an appropriate manner if the main breadwinner dies, because the spouse may not have enough to continue living in the apartment if they're renting, may not have enough to continue a car payment. So life insurance becomes even more important in that situation. Well, then, you know, estate planning really is something for everyone, and that's what I really want to make everybody aware of, whether you have, you know, a very small estate or just living to get by or you have millions. It's just as important for an individual or a family to meet with an estate planning attorney. You are absolutely right. And an important point for everybody to understand is this. I defined estate plan as something to be taken care of while you're alive and at death. Here's the reality. Everybody listening to your show has an estate plan today for what happens when they die. Everybody. Because if a person dies without a will, the state they live in has a set of rules called the intestacy laws that say who inherits what when you die. They're arbitrary, they're objective, and that's who gets it. So if I'm not married, I have no children, I have no parents, and I die, California law says all my assets go to my brother. That's, it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. I just Absolutely. got, um, I just got a, a text from my boxing partner, Wendy. I want to give her a shout-out. She said, you'd be surprised at how many people don't think of this stuff. So she's speaking for the people. <laughs> Wendy, I appreciate it. It is so important to do something. The, the more wealth you have, the more elaborate it may be. But every good estate plan starts with the fundamentals. Who gets what when you pass away? What ages do they get it at? If you have small children, you don't want to just give them the money. You may want to have it held in trust for them until they reach certain ages when they're more mature, maybe 25, maybe 30. Who's going to watch the money for them until that time? Who's going to raise your children if they're under 18? Somebody needs to be the guardian. Again, for those people who don't have a lot of assets, a will is very important. It lets you decide who's going to raise your children rather than letting a court arbitrarily pick among whoever petitions. And the health proxy is really, really important because whether you have a lot or a little, you don't, you don't want arbitrary medical decisions made for you. Absolutely. And there are two very famous cases people have heard about over the years. Uh, Karen Ann Quinlan was out of New Jersey and, and Terry Scheibel. And those cases were, were somewhat opposite uh, in what happened in Karen Ann Quillen's case back in New Jersey, and this was in court for 15 years, she had signed nothing that said what she wanted or who could make decisions for her. But in the other case, in Terry's case, she had signed something that said, this is what I want done, and I want the plug pulled, which was great, but she never gave anybody the legal authority to do it, so nobody could carry out her wishes. So it's important that this power not only say what you want, but that you've legally selected somebody to do it for you. And I can tell you from dealing with clients on a continual basis, it is one of the hardest things to do when a decision needs to be made about somebody's health, their future, whether they should continue 
on support. It's a much more emotional and much harder uh, issue to address when you know what you want done, but you can't do anything about it. Uh, and I can't put a bigger exclamation point on that. So, um, you know, there, we're coming to the end of this segment, Doran, but I wanted to really talk a, about an intro to estate planning to get the listeners, you know, interested and understand how it's relevant to them. I mean, there are still other things, too. We didn't talk about protecting your assets from creditors, did we? We have not yet talked about that, no. Right. Do you want to say talked. a few words about that before we take a break? Absolutely. People are worried about being sued today. They're worried that if they get sued and they lose, they'll lose their assets. So asset protection planning is important. It takes many forms. The simplest form for asset protection planning is to have umbrella insurance, an insurance policy that gives you extra insurance if somebody gets hurt at your house or you get into a bad car accident. If that happens, this insurance will protect you from that. So umbrella insurance, at a minimum, is very, very important. As a person's wealth gets higher, and depending on the type of assets they have, asset protection planning of protecting from creditors uh, includes setting up various trusts to put the assets into so that creditors can't get to it if something goes wrong. But at the very minimum, people should look at their insurance coverage their umbrella insurance, and look at what, in fact, they have. Because remember, you can spend a lifetime and years and a lifetime just building up the value of your assets, and one incident can wipe you out. So you need to make sure you protect that. Okay, well, listen, we're going to have to take a commercial break. In the next segment, Doran, I'd like to talk about probate. I'd like to define probate. I want to have my listeners understand how probate might affect them and how to avoid it. I want to talk about selecting trustees and why that's important, beneficiaries, guardians, etc. So you ready to do that? I am ready. Oh, you sound so ready. Well, listen, stand by. Don't go away. We'll be back with Doran Tisser right after this commercial break. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Oh, 
Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Doran Tisser, and we're talking about the importance of um, estate planning. And if you didn't hear the first segment, I urge you to go back. Um, Doran, I want to cover probate. I want to cover trust. I want to talk about beneficiaries specifically in this segment. And as you know, it goes by very fast. So let's talk about um, probate and what it is. Okay. Probate is something many people have heard the term but they, they are not really clear on what it is. So let's talk about probate. When a person dies, we need to have an organized method for determining what they own, where it is, what it's worth, who gets it, who did the deceased person owe money to. And we have to have a way to tie up all the economic loose ends on their lives before we distribute their assets. That is done through a court proceeding called a probate. A probate is a proceeding where we present the court with all the information about a deceased person's economic life, we tell the court whether they had a will or the assets will pass under state laws of intestacy. And the court then goes through everything, makes sure everything's paid, taken care of, accounted for. And at the end, the assets are distributed to whoever it goes to. Three things people need to know about probate. One is that it takes a long time, generally, to conclude. In Los Angeles, where, where I practice, it generally takes now about two years from start to finish to close a probate. During that time, if the family needs money out of one of the uh, bank accounts in the probate, they have to petition the judge and ask for the money and explain why. So it takes a long time is point number one. Point number two is that it's very, very expensive. The lawyers get paid a fee based on the value of the assets going through probate. That's under California law. So the more the value of the assets going through probate, the more the lawyers get paid, the less the beneficiaries get. What's important there is that the lawyers get paid based on the gross value, so that if the house is worth 500000 and it has a $400,000 mortgage, the lawyer is getting a fee based on the $500,000 value, not the $100,000 equity. So point one was it takes a long time. Point two is it's very expensive. And point three is it's public. Anybody can go down to the courthouse and find out what you had when you died, who gets it, what you're worth, as well as finding out what your family members are inheriting and what their worth is. We know that's how we found out about John Wayne, President Roosevelt, and many, many famous people because they had wills and it went through probate. Well, it's, um, and I'm sure that people are shocked to hear about probate and what it is and how it works after it's too late. It, it, they, they really are. And it's, it's sad to talk to people about it when they say, well, they were going to do something about it because almost doesn't count in this area of law. Now, when you talk about probate, it's also important to understand that if you have a will that designates who gets what when you die, it still has to go through probate. Wills do not avoid probate. Very, very important. The only way to avoid probate instead of a will, generally, is to have what's called a living trust or a family trust. It goes by many names, but basically... It is an entity you create, the trust document. You put your assets in the trust so that instead of my house being owned by Doran Tisser, it would be owned by Doran Tisser, trustee of the Doran Tisser Trust. The, house, the trust pays no income taxes. I continue to pay the income taxes. The trust files no tax return, has no tax either. 
tax ID number. It's basically ignored until I die. But if my house is in the trust when I die, the trust acts like a will, tells us who gets the house, and it goes to those people without going through probate. So the trust is a way to avoid probate. Uh, do you want do you want to be stuck in this situation, or do you want to have control of it? Is really the question. <laughs> That's really it. And how much do you want people to know about your life after you're gone? How much do you want them to know about your kids and how much money they're inheriting, or your wife? You know, and do you do you really want them to have immediate access to the money? So again, most people nowadays are implementing living trusts instead of wills to avoid the probate. Yeah, it's um, please like take a look at Doran's website because there there's a reinforcement um, in his content that talks about this stuff. www.tisserlaw.com, and um, you know I really encourage people to think about this. It's a it's really a public service. I've seen too many people become frozen after an event has taken place. Um, and that's me as, you know, both a businesswoman and, you know, just a regular person, an everyday person. And, um, you know, there are too many times in life where we hear of a friend or a family member where something happened and you can't really think of these things after an event has taken place. You really do become frozen. Um, you want to have this all written out. You really want to have an attorney that you know, like, and trust that you could call to take care of this stuff because it's already been um, prepositioned, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have an estate plan. If you don't like what the state is doing for you, you should go and do it yourself. Right, absolutely. Let's talk about triggers. Let's talk about events. Marriage, separation, divorces. We do, we talked about death, but you know there are other things in well as well. I mean, there's receipts of gifts and, or inheritance. There's you know changes in employment, which happens a lot today. Um, you know, so why don't we just talk about some examples? All right. So the question here is, what type of things should trigger your either creating an estate plan or looking at changing, amending what you already have? So there are some obvious ones. For instance, if you get married, you now have a new member of your family. What are you going to leave your spouse? How much? How do you want to handle it? Do you just give it to them or do you put it in trust for them? If you get separated or divorced, it's the same issue in reverse. If you start, uh, if there's a divorce proceeding going on, it's very important to look at amending your estate plan right away. Most married couples provide that when one of them dies, it all goes to the other one, and the kids generally don't get the assets until both spouses are gone. But if a person is now in the middle of a divorce and they die before that divorce becomes final, their soon-to-be ex-spouse gets the money whether or not the divorcing person wanted them to because they did not change their estate plan. You have to take it into account and make sure if you're getting divorced, you look at changing your estate plan. And, and there are lots of horror stories about it. I actually had a client uh, that came to me. Their father was in the middle of a divorce, and just on a Sunday, on Monday the divorce was going to become final, the judge was going to sign it. On Sunday, their father died. 
and they wanted to know what they had to do to get the money. And we looked through all the paperwork and everything, and because they were still married on the day they died, and their trust left everything to the spouse, the mother got everything. So, and, and the kids didn't get anything. So it's important to look at the marriage, separation, divorce issues. What if you have new children? A child is born. You want to bring them into the estate plan. Maybe, God forbid, a child dies. What do you do then? How does that impact your estate plan? Your wealth may have increased. If all of a sudden you're worth a lot more money than you were, there may be something called estate taxes that need to be addressed because the government does impose taxes, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about it later, but estate taxes when a person dies. Your health may have changed, and that may impact your estate planning. If you move to another state, you need to have somebody in that state look at your estate plan. If you start a new business, again, is it in the right entity, a limited liability company, a corporation? Do you co-own it with someone else? Do you need a buy-sell agreement? As you do these and you think about your spouse, your children, and what you're going to do for them, you probably have named guardians to raise the children until they're 18. What happens if the person, you named your sister, your, your sister is, is all of a sudden in the middle of a really bad divorce, and this may not be a good time for her to raise your children if something happened. You may need to amend your estate plan to change the guardians for the time being. What if the person you named to be the trustee to take care of the money for your children until they're 25 just filed a bankruptcy, and, and you're thinking, this is, may not be the best person to handle the money. You need to change the estate plan. So everything that goes on in your life can impact your estate plan. And an important point to mention is that when you do an estate plan, it is only as good as your wishes at that point in time. When you sign it, that's what you want. Any one of a number of things we talk about and other things can change your wishes. And so if things change in your life, you have to make sure you look at how it impacts your estate plan. And it's very important to look at your estate plan with your attorney and review it periodically to go over what's happening in your life so your attorney can advise you on how that impacts what you've decided to do. A lot of information here, Doran. Um, do you think that we covered the basics in terms of um, probates and trusts and um, basic estate planning before we start talking about beneficiaries of IRAs and 401Ks and other retirement accounts. I think that's important. It is very important. As a matter of fact, as we'll be talking about, the beneficiaries of retirement accounts and life insurance are oftentimes the biggest mistake people make in estate planning. So I do want to spend a few minutes on that when we have a chance. All right. Well, it sounds to me we're getting to um, a couple of minutes left in this segment, and it sounds to me like we should probably save a whole segment to talk about the 401Ks, the IRAs, you know, the LIs, and, um, you know, the the tax, you know, estate taxes and all of that kind of stuff. It sounds like a pretty beefy topic. It is a an important topic that everyone needs to understand because virtually everybody has some type of IRA retirement account or life insurance. That is something almost everyone has in common, so it's important to understand how it impacts the, the beneficiaries and the family when a person dies. Okay, and we got some questions also about power of attorney, and I promised that we would get to that more toward the end of the show. So you're doing great, Doran. A lot of information in the last couple of segments. 
really an introduction to estate planning and why everybody, whether your estates are, you know, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, extra small, it's relevant to everyone who is listening to this show. So don't go away. We'll have more with Doran Tisser in the next two segments. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Doran Tisser, um, estate planning guru, and I should say marathon runner, triathlon athlete, all of that kind of stuff, had to really let everybody know about that, Doran. You're not just one of those, you know, smart lawyers. You do a lot more. I, I really do. I think life needs to be a good balancing act, and I really enjoy being out in the outdoors running and, and training for races and actually doing races. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. Well, you you live the life where you really have to be aware about trust, even if you weren't an estate lawyer. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> New grandfather, congratulations to you, your Thank beautiful you. granddaughter, and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that's um, you know something that I I can't wait to deal. So um, now we have to talk about. Getting everything in order for those kinds of wonderful life events. So we were talking about life insurance, Darren, and four hundred one ks and all of that kind of stuff. Let's, you know, let's talk about beneficiaries and what that means and why the life insurance um, professional probably doesn't know everything about that. And you have more to add. I have lots to add. I'm sure. So go ahead and add away. All right, so let's talk first about life insurance, then we'll talk about retirement plans. Here is what goes on with life insurance. When you buy life insurance, that is a policy that pays off money to somebody you have named as your beneficiary when you die. And almost everybody has some kind of life insurance. So when they go to name their beneficiaries, they fill in the blanks and they name it. Now, here's the issue. If you leave it to a spouse, a husband or a wife, that's fine. 
But most people tend to make the contingent beneficiary, the secondary beneficiary, their children. That means if the spouse is not alive, it then goes to the next person in line, the children. Here's a dilemma. Children under 18 can't own real estate. They're not, or can't own assets. What they need to do is have the money placed in trust for them. Because if you leave money to a minor child, it doesn't go to them. No insurance company will pay it over to that child. Instead, the insurance company will deposit it into court and basically tell the judge, here it is, Your Honor, we fulfilled our obligation, uh, you take care of it. And what the judge will do is, the judge will just have it placed in an account until the child is 18 and turn the money over to them at that age. First of all, it's expensive to set up the account in court. Second, there are limitations on what can happen with it, so it's probably, the money's probably not going to grow. Third, I don't know anybody who wants to leave a chunk of money to their child when the child is 18. Again, even if it's only $100,000 of insurance, would you want your 18-year-old child to just be handed $100,000 at that age? Most people will tell you no if they do a will or a trust and they think about when they want to give their children the money after they die, they'll usually pick ages, 21, 25, 30, 35, or some combination. By leaving the money to them directly in a life insurance policy as a beneficiary, they've basically eliminated the planning they've done in their will or their trust. So life insurance is one of the most misplanned assets there are, and there has to be given a lot of thought, and the beneficiaries of the life insurance have to be coordinated with the remainder of the estate plan. So that's a very, very important issue. Now, if we go to the secondary issue, which are retirement accounts, these can be IRA accounts, they can be 401Ks, they can be profit sharing, they can be 403Bs if you work for an educational institution or governmental entity, whatever type of retirement account it is. Again, you have to name beneficiaries. Most people will name spouse first, children second. The issues we address with life insurance about leaving the money to minor children applies here also. Not a good thing to do, but it, there's a bigger issue with retirement accounts. Life insurance is income tax-free to the person receiving it, so there's no income tax when your wife or your children get it or your spouse. Retirement plans, on the other hand, are not income tax-free. When the money comes out of the plan, there has to be an income tax paid on it. So if there's a $200,000 IRA and the money has to come out of the plan all at once and there's a 40% tax, the beneficiary only has $120,000 left. They will have paid $80,000 in income taxes, the 40% of $200,000. If you leave the money to minor children, there will be an immediate income tax on it before it goes into court. So not only does it get held in court until the child is 18, they lose about 40% of the money right away. Not a good solution. What if your child is 22 and you name them as beneficiary? Well, it won't go to court, but again, you have the same issue that maybe that person's not ready for the money. Maybe your will, your trust said they should get the money part at 30 and part at 35 because you want them to be a little more mature. By giving them these retirement monies right away, you've eliminated the planning for making sure they didn't get a lot of money up front. So naming children as beneficiaries of retirement accounts may not be uh, coordinated with the will or the trust, which is important. On the income tax side, again, uh, when you leave the money to the child, they have the right to take the money out right away. And if they uh, do, they'll pay the income tax. Otherwise, they do have the ability to just take it out over their lifetime and basically pay the, pay the income tax as they pull the money out. Most people don't do that, though. 
They'd just rather take the money and pay the income tax. If you want them to keep this as a retirement account, then you can set up a special trust for your beneficiaries called the Designated Beneficiary Trust. It's a special term coined by the IRS that allows the money to be put away in trust for your beneficiaries without having all the income taxes paid up front. So just like with life insurance, planning for retirement accounts is extremely important, and retirement accounts uh, are now becoming one of the largest assets people have to pass on to their children. So it's important that all your listeners look at their beneficiary designations for their life insurance and retirement accounts. Well, I hope everybody goes and revisits this. You know, people put things away in a safe. People have it done. They know what, that they have statements coming in every now and then in the mail, and that's how they keep themselves organized. Absolutely, but it's important when you look at the statement, the statement doesn't tell you who the beneficiaries are. It tells you what you have. So you actually have to go back to wherever the money is invested or held and get a copy of your current beneficiary designation statement. Don't assume you remember what it says. Assumptions are not good things. Not, and especially when an event takes place. Again, you know, I want to share the human experience of people becoming frozen, and you do, because when there's an event, there's shock, and you can't think about things that you would think about if the event didn't take place. Absolutely, and, and unfortunately, more often than not, almost all the time, in fact, when that event takes place, the person whose account or insurance it was is probably dead, and now it's really too late. So it's up to the person who has the account and has the insurance to make sure things are done right. All right. Well, you covered the, designate, the designated beneficiary trust beautifully. People might hear of it as a DBT. Um, a lot of people, you know, who aren't involved in business or, you know, very oftentimes the homemaker that just left everything to the spouse to handle it's probably the most important person, one of the most important people that we have to reach in this show. Absolutely. Because they, they leave everything, you know, to the quote, end quote, business person. And what happens when that business person, you know, when something might happen? It's important that in a marriage, both spouses know what's going on, where the assets are, the bank accounts, how much there are. If there is an investment advisor helping one of the spouses with the investments, it's important for the surviving spouse to know who that person is so they can reach out to that person. When a spouse dies, so many things are happening so quickly, and there's not a lot of time to think things through clearly, and yet you have to address certain issues. So if the surviving spouse knows who the investment advisor is, knows who the insurance agent is, knows all the team players that have been helping with the estate planning, then it's easy to reach out for them and make sure everything is done properly so time can go by and settle up. And an example I'll give you is, is this. I had a client who had an account at a brokerage firm, and the spouse, the wife didn't know anything about what was going on, and the husband died, and the broker never contacted the wife for about a month, and the wife didn't know anything needed to be done, and it turned out that the husband had been uh, playing the stock market, going on margin, borrowing against their investments to buy other stocks. The market took a big dip in that 30 days, and basically uh, between the downturn of the market and devaluation of the account and having to pay off this debt that's been incurred, about 80% of the account was gone. 
if the spouse, if the wife had known about this in the beginning, could have saved a lot of the money before the market turned around. So it's important to know what's going on. Well, more often than not, they don't because sometimes people would rather work on their impulses and, you know, not trouble their spouse with these decisions because, you know, they look at it as something where they might get in trouble. And obviously there's communications issues then, and I know you see that all the time. I I do. And, And it's important for the spouse to know where all the accounts are. One of the toughest things we have, the toughest jobs we have when a person dies is trying to figure out what did they have and where is it. Sometimes you can find them on tax returns. Other times you can't, and, and you need to know where they are. For example, if there's a bank account and you're getting monthly statements, we can figure that out pretty quickly where the account is. If it's in a long-term CD and there's no paperwork, we may not even know it exists. It may not have appeared on last year's tax return. If there's a retirement account, appear on a tax return generally until you're 70 and a half and you start taking distributions. So we need to know what the assets are and where they are. And that's why it's important for a spouse to be able to access this information as quickly as possible. Uh, I think it's, it's really important. Do you, do you think that we have, in two minutes, we could cover some special trust information like heritage trusts and... Um, I know that you, you know, special needs trust. We have a couple of minutes left to the end of the segment, and then we'll have one more segment. All right. So let's talk about, we'll try to do this quickly. In terms of trust, a trust is an entity you set up for somebody's benefit. If I have a minor child, I would put money in trust for that child to be distributed to them at specified ages, and I'd pick somebody to be the trustee. The trustee controls the money. The child would be the beneficiary. When would you want to use trust? There are a lot of different trusts, and you use them for different reasons. Sometimes you use a trust to protect somebody from themselves, meaning they're not good with money, they tend to spend money, they might gamble, they might blow the money on other things, and you don't want them to be able to do that. You want the money to last a long time, so you set up a trust that will last possibly for their lifetime, and you'll have somebody dole the money out to them over time. Sometimes you set up a trust to protect a beneficiary from other people, Maybe a divorce, you're worried about a divorce, and you don't want the spouse to get part of the money in the divorce proceedings. So you set up a trust, you put the money in trust so a spouse can't claim they own part of it. You could set up a trust to protect the beneficiary from creditors if the beneficiary gets sued for any reason, through a personal guarantee in a business or if they are in a profession that has a lot of risk, whether it's a surgeon or some other occupation, you might want to protect that money so that they can't lose it. Sometimes you set up a trust to protect against estate taxes, which we haven't had a chance to talk about, but hopefully we'll spend a few minutes, so that when a person dies, there are fewer taxes to pay the government. Now, something that's been coming up a lot recently are special needs trusts. There are certain types of government benefits that a person is entitled to in certain circumstances. In California, we have SSI and Medi-Cal, which are benefits paid by a state to a person who qualifies and needs the money. So if you need the money and you qualify, you will get this money and this health care coverage from the state. However, in order to qualify, you generally cannot have more than $2,000. Yes, that's $2,000 in assets. If you have more than that, you don't qualify for these benefits. So, oh, it doesn't sound like a lot. It's really not a lot. 
<laughs> and what happens is this, that if you have somebody who's receiving SSI or Medi-Cal from the state and, and somebody dies and leaves that person even $2,500, that disqualifies them. So, well, well, that has to be planned then, doesn't it? It really doesn't. The way you do it is you set up a special needs trust. The money would go in there and be held for that beneficiary who's receiving benefits, and the trust contains special provisions that say you cannot use the money for that person if it would disqualify them from benefits. That trust will allow them to continue to qualify for benefits, whether you have 100000 in the trust or you have $10 million in the special needs trust. That person will continue to receive benefits. And nowadays, we have a lot of people looking at these because they might have children with autism or other types of diseases that, uh, that will allow them to qualify for SSI and Medi-Cal, and it's become a very, very important issue. Right. So well, another- listen, we have to take a commercial break. You got that in very quickly. Um, we're going to finish up everything you need to know about introduction to estate planning. By the end of this show, we went through it very quickly because you're brilliant and you talk fast. So don't go away. We'll be discussing powers of attorney in the last segment, and we'll have more with Doran Tisser in just a moment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We are in our last segment with Doran Tisser, um, estate planning genius. Um, I want you all to look at his website, www.tisserlaw.com. There's a couple of things that we have to cover in this last segment, but I encourage everybody to go back. You could go back to the beginning of the show if you missed it, particularly if you are downloading this in the Voice America archives. A link will be available by end of day tomorrow for everybody to check out this show in its entirety. Um, Doran, I know you want to spend a couple of minutes about on estate taxes. I do. Thank you. So here's where we are with estate taxes. 
And this won't affect everybody, but it's important to know. When a person dies, the government imposes estate taxes on the value of their assets. Some people call it a death tax, but it's called estate taxes. So the government says, if you're worth too much, we're going to tax the value of that, and what's left goes to your family. There's a certain amount the government allows to let allows you to have a state tax free when you die, so there's no tax on that amount. That amount has been changing over the years. There's a lot of history to it, but the bottom line is that in 2012, the amount you can have with no estate taxes is $5 million. So if a person dies with $5 million or less, there's no estate taxes. The family gets all their assets. If a married couple dies and has assets of up to $10 million, $5 million per husband and $5 million per spouse, and they do certain tax planning. There's certain tax planning that needs to be done, but if they do that, they can leave $10 million to their family tax-free. Here's a dilemma. January 1, 2013, the amount you can leave a state tax-free is going down to $1 million. It's dropping from $5 million down to $1 million on January 1st. This is a result of, of a lot of things going on in Congress and changes in the law. But it is going to happen. The question is, will that amount be raised by Congress? There's a lot of talk and speculation that it will. If it is raised, the question becomes, what will it be raised to? Will it be raised up to $2 million, $3 million, $3.5 million? Nobody knows. It may not be raised until the end of the year. But what's important to take away from this is that you have to add up the net value of all your assets, including real estate, cars, bank accounts, stock accounts, brokerage accounts, money people owe you, businesses you own. Even the life insurance on your life gets added in, as well as your retirement accounts. Well, what's really important, Doran, is that if it should become a million, it affects a heck of a lot more people than the five million did. It, it really does. I mean, and it's really more your regular person. People usually have a house, you know, that, I mean, again, I'm talking wide spectrum of income and estates, but, you know, I mean, it's not difficult to own a house that at least has the value of $400,000. Not at all. And most people will have some life insurance for their family. Maybe it's a million, maybe it's $2 million, and it could be term insurance. But that $2 million gets added for determining estate taxes. And so that's why it's so important for everybody to understand what the rule is and then look at how does it affect us and what, if anything, should we do about it. Well, it's a, again, it's the $1 million thing is really an eye-opener. There's a lot of people who could glaze over when they hear amounts like $5 million and $10 million. Okay? Yeah. But, Absolutely. you know, that $1 million thing, you better start looking at what your assets are. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing. It does capture quite a few people, and people are shocked when they realize how it impacts their family. And, and again, estate planning is about doing what you need to and then reviewing it periodically to see how circumstances in your life and how the laws have changed to see what, if anything, do you need to change. Oh, okay. Well, I think that, do you feel that you addressed everything that's important in the estate tax area? Last thing I would say about it is that if any of your listeners do have family members that are worth a lot of money, meaning over five, ten million dollars $10 their families can make gifts to them with no estate taxes this year of up to $5 million and get it out of the tax system. And if you have a listener who's worth a lot of money, 
then they need to look at whether or not some of that should be transferred tax-free before the end of 2012. Well, there are a lot of people that do Google searches, Doran, and they want basic information about, you know, estate planning, and Voice America is very good about getting all of this stuff up in the Google world and in Google rankings. So I'm sure that there are going to be some people in that $5 million range who will appreciate hearing about um, tax protection. Very, very important topic for them. All right. So um, let's talk about power of attorney. Um, again, my, my, my boxing partner, Wendy, who's listening, um, texted me a couple of times and asked, but so did a lot of other people. I, I got... Um, a lot of listeners who are very interested in that, and I would imagine that it affects a lot of people when an event takes place or even before an event takes place. So let's talk about it. All right, good. Powers of attorney are one of the most important documents that you can create during your lifetime. They generally affect you. It's not like a will or a trust that says, what happens when I die? Powers of attorney affect you while you're alive. In fact, a power of attorney is generally only good while you're alive. When you die, the power of attorney is no longer valid. So we're now talking about you and how this impacts you. So what is a power of attorney? A power of attorney is a document you sign that gives someone else the power to act for you under certain circumstances. So you're giving someone the legal right to act on your behalf. There are several types of powers of attorney. We talked about the health care power of attorney a little earlier. For somebody to be able to make medical decisions for you, extremely important, extremely important. But you also need to be aware uh, that the power of attorney not only lets the person make decisions for you while you're alive, it also allows them to decide on burial and cremation after you die. It can also allow them to make gifts of body parts or authorize an autopsy. So these are things you need to address and decide if you want that person to have the right to make gifts of body parts, if you want them to be able to authorize an autopsy, and you have to actually put in your intentions into the document. Uh, so the, the health care power is very important. Each health care power should include certain provisions such as medical privacy, the HIPAA laws. It should include provisions that allow insurance companies and doctors to release medical information to the person you named on your power of attorney. And, and here's the issue. We had a situation once where mom named a daughter to make medical decisions for her. And they had just passed these HIPAA regulations that said doctor could not release any medical information to somebody without a HIPAA, a medical privacy authorization release. Doctor comes to the daughter and says, it's time to decide whether you want to pull the plug. And daughter says, tell me what's going on. Doctor says, I can't give you any information because you don't have a HIPAA release, but you have the right to make a decision. Sounds silly. That's the way it is. So you want to make sure you want HIPAA, that you have HIPAA release provisions in your health care power of attorney. And this is, I mean, it, this is fairly new, isn't it? I mean, yes. I, you know, over the last... Maybe the last uh, seven, eight, nine years. I mean, again, of... people might have done, you know, some kind of an estate plan 20 years ago, but it, nobody, nobody bothered with HIPAA. Most Absolutely. Most people, what well, didn't even exist, most people whose estate plans I review haven't had any changes or new documents made in the last 10 years. They just figured they had something and it works. And when we go through it and we see, we say, well, the law changed. You've got to change this and you've got to change that. And they don't realize it because they're not staying in touch with somebody. Not, oh, it's very, very important. We have a couple of minutes to close, Doran. I know the time flies. 
How about the difference between power of attorney and durable power of attorney? Uh, great question. So a power of attorney is a document that allows somebody to take action on your behalf, whether it's for your finances, whether it's for your medical, for whatever it is. That A regular power of attorney is no good when you die, but not only that, the day you become disabled or incompetent, it's no good. The power is no good. A durable power is just a power of attorney that has special language in it that says this power of attorney will continue to be effective even after I'm incapacitated so that if I become incapacitated, the power of attorney continues. It's not void, and the person can act on my behalf. Very, very important that all powers of attorney be durable because usually you're going to need somebody to take action for you when you can't do it for yourself, which is when you're incapacitated. So a power of attorney that is not durable will oftentimes, if not all times, not be able to handle the things that you need it to be, hand- to be able to handle. Darren, anything you want to add? We had a very um, action-packed hour together. We have two minutes left. What would you like to say in closing? Uh, what I would really love to say to everybody is this. Estate planning is important, not just for your kids, not just for your wife, but for yourself. People today don't look at their own estate plans in terms of their own lives. They don't have enough umbrella insurance to protect them if they get sued. They haven't done adequate retirement planning for putting money away for retirement. They haven't looked at planning for the business and what happens to it if they die. And oftentimes a business is one of the most valuable assets a person has, and you need to plan for what happens. Will the business continue so your family will have money for it or that they can sell it for the best possible price? And you need to look at these, and you have to look at your children, and you have to look at your situation and really look at it. A lot of people today don't want their kids to be trust fund babies, so they're, they're really setting up trust for their kids so that the kids still have to work. Just because your kids are 25, 30, 35 doesn't necessarily mean you're going to leave them all your money. There may be other circumstances there where, where you just don't want to give them the money, but you want it to be held for them because they're not going to save, they're not working, they're not doing something that you consider socially useful. So you really have to look at all of these factors. You have to sit down, plan it out, and then make plans to get together with your estate planner, either every year or every couple of years, to go through and see what has changed in your life. What is going on with the kids, marriages, divorce, health, wealth issues? Uh, what, what is happening that might negatively impact your estate plan? All right, well, we have, to, we have to stop you now, Doran. I think that you've given us a lot of great information. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for allowing me to share it with your audience. Well, it was a pleasure having you, www.tisserlaw.com. For more info, I will see everybody in a couple of weeks. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American idol. I'm got synthetic I kill my mama to get on the TV screen. I am a death row psycho.